Mean Old Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. If you're kicking off the new year, let me tell you who I am and how the podcast works. And welcome to the podcast for 2024. I'm so excited you guys are here. I am an OBGYN and I'm also a maternal fetal medicine specialist. Now, most of you know what an OBGYN is, but you might not know what maternal fetal medicine is. So... That's abbreviated as MFM, maternal fetal medicine. I'm an OBGYN that takes care of patients who are high risk, meaning they may have medical issues themselves like high blood pressure or diabetes, or I've diagnosed their baby with a medical condition like a heart defect or a brain defect. So for the podcast, we discuss all things pregnancy, whether that's high risk or low risk and how some low risk complications can become high risk complications. And then we also discuss some pre- and post-pregnancy women's health issues. Now, if you have a topic you want to hear about, simply email me or DM me on my Pregnancy Pearl social media platforms, and I will make sure to get your questions answered. So speaking of social media, a friend of the podcast reached out and asked why I didn't have an episode to discuss alcohol and fertility. Now, I do have an episode on alcohol spectrum disorder, which features an expert guest from a previous season. But she was right. I didn't have an episode specifically about how alcohol affects fertility specifically. And I don't know why I don't, because so many patients ask questions about alcohol and how that affects their pregnancy. And I was puzzled that I didn't. So here we go. So we're going to do an episode on just this today. So first, before we talk about alcohol and how it affects fertility, let's just make sure we're on the same page about what fertility actually is. Fertility is just your ability to conceive a child. If you can conceive a child, you're fertile. If you can't conceive a child, then that means that you have fertility issues or what we call infertility. When a woman is under age 35 and is unable to get pregnant for a year after a year of having unprotected sex, this is when we say, Hey, this patient has some issues with infertility and her doctor is going to begin an evaluation of the possible causes of infertility. Now, if you are over 35, that evaluation happens much sooner. We don't wait a full year for you to try to get pregnant. We give you six months. And if you're not pregnant after six months or six menstrual cycles, then that means you need a fertility um, a referral to a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility specialist or a thorough workup by your OBGYN to figure out why you have not gotten pregnant. Now, there are several reasons for infertility, including increasing age, which decreases the quality of the egg and the numbers you have of eggs you have to fertilize. And you could have medical conditions like diabetes or high blood pressure. Specifically, if they're not controlled, this can cause you to have issues with fertility. 
if you undergo trans cancer treatments currently or even in the past, some cancer drugs can cause damage to the ovaries um, and cause you not to ovulate regularly. And then some medications also can cause you not to ovulate. And then there are environmental factors like recreational drug use and alcohol that can play a factor. But I know the question really is, how much of a factor does that alcohol play? Now, alcohol use in itself is associated with multiple reproductive risks, including the risk of having a baby with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, the risk of increased um, fetal loss rate, and uh, a decreased chance of live birth. So even if you get pregnant, you're more likely to have a stillbirth um, by the time of your due date. Um, and drinking alcohol is super common though, right? According to the U.S. National Study on Drug Use and Health, 86.4% of people 18 years and older have had a drink in their lifetime with over half reporting drinking in the last month. I'm not here to judge myself included, right? Especially with the holiday, you ring in the new year, what do you do? You have a champagne toast. You uh, have Christmas, what do you do? You have spiked eggnog. Everyone is guilty of having a beverage here and there. So it's not surprising that the statistics say that over half of adults have had an adult beverage in the last month. But we have to be careful with that if we're trying to get pregnant. Now, we talk about being careful outside of pregnancy. We really need to be talking about when you get pregnant. But the rates of alcohol use even during the pregnancy are still surprisingly high. According to the report from Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, 8.5% of pregnant women reported current alcohol use with 2.7% reporting binge drinking. That is mind-blowing to me. Mind-blowing. And these are women that know they are pregnant and still consume alcohol, okay? And when we talk about heavy drinking, okay, heavy drinking, that's when you have five or more episodes of binge drinking in the past month. About half a percentage of women in pregnancy do that. Now, there is an episode on autism, um, alcohol spectrum disorder. Um, go back and check out the episode. I believe it's called One Too Many Drinks. It did have an expert guest on that ex episode. It was excellent because it talked about how vastly different one patient with alcohol spectrum disorder can be from a, another patient. It does not look the same in everyone. So go back and listen to that episode. Now, alcohol, particularly if there is an extensive history of use, can decrease female fertility. So let's just put it out there. We know it plays a role in fertility. We can't sugarcoat this. It does. A recent review has shown that light drinking reduces fertility in women and fertility is reduced even further with moderate or heavy drinking. The alcohol itself is going to decrease your fertility. But we're not, we can't forget that if you drink a lot, that also has consequences. That's not even related to fertility. You could have medical issues that develop liver disease, high blood pressure that develops from alcohol use, heart disease that develops from alcohol use, et cetera, all of which does affect the pregnancy, okay? So it may not be that you're actively drinking at that point, but if you get these other comorbidities, that can have a lasting impact 
on the pregnancy just because it has a lasting impact on your heart and your vessels and everything else. And we know that people that have hypertension, meaning high blood pressure outside of pregnancy and heart disease have an increased risk of getting preeclampsia, which is a really common killer of black and brown women. Okay. Only three to 8% of pregnant people get preeclampsia. But when we look at the reason black and brown women are dying is preeclampsia and heart disease. And so we don't want to do anything that can increase your risk of that. And remember preeclampsia is when you have high blood pressure and vascular damage, which we look for as protein in your urine. So the combination of those two things, high blood pressure plus protein in your urine is diagnostic of preeclampsia. Now, conversely, I know you guys have been on social media and TikTok and all those things. And it shows that if you have, you know, moderate alcohol intake, which is defined by one drink per day for women and two drinks per day for men, this may actually offer some health benefits. Okay. And this is per the American Heart Association. And these benefits do include a decreased risk of stroke, decreased risk of diabetes, and a decreased risk of heart disease and death related to heart disease. So it sounds like we should all be drinking a glass of wine, right? But if you're a woman and you're undergoing fertility treatment and you consume more than seven alcoholic beverages a week, you are less likely to become impregnant. Now, caffeine has no, no impact. So you want to go alternate, you know, do some alternative drinking, drink you a latte instead. Okay. Cause that doesn't have effect on your fertility, but that one cup a day that you drank of the wine seems to do have effect on your fertility. Now, a Harvard study compared women who didn't drink alcohol at all to those who drank more than seven drinks weekly. They were 7% less likely to conceive after fertility treatment. And the chances of live birth dropped even further, 9% lower in women who had male partners who drank the same amount they did. So we know that the male factor also is impacted by alcohol. If you are a man or if you have a body that produces sperm, drinking alcohol is linked to sexual dysfunction and research suggests that it can reduce your sperm count and sperm quality. Okay. So it works both ways. So if you're trying to get pregnant, whether you're the male counterpart or the female counterpart in the pair, just stop drinking altogether, y'all. Stop drinking while you're trying to conceive, especially if you're going to have more than one beverage a day. Get your heart health tip back whenever you're done with pregnancy and or breastfeeding if, you're, uh, if you are planning to be the breastfeeder uh, of the couple, okay? All right, so now that you know a little bit more about alcohol, and how it can affect fertility. Let's go to some cases and questions. Our first case is a 28-year-old who has been trying to conceive now for three years. She's seeing a reproductive endocrinologist who sent her for you for preconception counseling. She is of Asian descent and drinks about three glasses of wine each week. When she drinks, her face gets really flush, which is the reason she doesn't drink more often. She also has one small fibroid. Otherwise, she's healthy. 
she presents to see if her condition is a reason to avoid pregnancy. There are a population of people that can't metabolize alcohol well, right? They can't break down some of the contents of alcohol. And because of that, their face becomes beet red and flush because they have a buildup in aldehyde, right? That's one of the byproducts of alcohol. They can't break down that byproduct. And so their face becomes very red and flush and they can get intoxicated really fast because of that, okay? That is a population as of Asian descent. I have a really good friend who has aldehyde dehydrogenase deficiency. She is uh, Vietnamese. She knows she has the deficiency because she turns beet red, right? She didn't know what it was until we were in medical school, but it's very common, it's very well known for people that are of Asian descent to have aldehyde dehydrogenase deficiency. And of course, they can't drink as much as somebody that can metabolize alcohol, right? Because they're, they don't lack it all together, but they're deficient in the enzyme. So they can't break it down as much. And so it really depends on the degree of the disease you have to see whether or not you can metabolize alcohol or not. So that's why three glasses of wine for her per week, is probably equivalent to somebody drinking a glass a day because she's not breaking it down as fast. And because of that, those metabolites build up in the bloodstream. And if she were to get pregnant, those metabolites can cross the placenta. And if she were uh, drinking or consuming alcohol during those crucial times of embryo development or those first cell stages, that does increase the risk of perhaps having a baby with a birth defect, with the most common being a cardiac defect. But it can also cause anything that is on the spectrum for fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So her babies could look as if they're on the spectrum because they are, because she hasn't metabolized and broken down alcohol. So that is the issue with people that have aldehyde dehydrogenase deficiency. And there are several case reports on this um, in terms of an increased risk of birth defects and patients that have this, even though they're not alcoholics and they don't consume moderate to, to large amounts of alcohol. They're on the lighter side of alcohol consumption, but they can't metabolize it. So this population has to be very careful in timing. The good thing is you're getting a preconception consultation. So we know, hey, during your fertility process, you have got to avoid all alcohol. Avoid all alcohol. And that way you don't have to metabolize it, right? And that way you don't have to worry about those metabolites crossing the placenta and affecting your baby. So this is not a reason that you should not get pregnant. It is a reason that you can't drink a glass of wine to loosen up before you have intercourse with your husband, okay? Or your mate, because you're not metabolizing. And we don't want anything to be in your system for a longer period of time just because you can't break the alcohol down, which can then lead to you having issues with uh, fetal alcohol syndrome in your baby. Mm -mm. But you don't have to avoid getting pregnant. You just have to avoid the alcohol. The other thing that she has is a small fibroid. Depending on the location of that fibroid, it usually does not impact fertility significant, significantly if it's small and out of the way of the cavity. But if it is inside of the cavity, sometimes depending on where that embryo implants or the little fertilized baby implants, that can, they can increase your risk of miscarriages. 
Fibroids also do increase in size because they're stimulated by hormones. And if they grow so big that they outgrow their blood supply, they can start to necrose or those cells die on the inside and that uh, fibroid can start to shrink. That is less likely with a very small fibroid. And it sounds like this patient does have a small fibroid. So as long as it's not in the way of the cavity, like I said before, shouldn't significantly increase your risk of a poor outcome. I do not recommend that small fibroids be removed in order to conceive unless you have multiple small, small fibroids that are impending on the cavity, meaning it's causing the egg to have a higher chance of embedding on the fibroid. The reason that we don't want the, the placenta to be over the fibroid or the baby to implant there is because fibroids are greedy. They take blood supply. So the placenta is supposed to be giving blood supply to the baby. Instead, that placenta is going to be, you know, robbed, if you will, by the fibroid. And so it's better to have the fibroid distant from or remote from the placenta. But we can't control where the placenta implants and how it develops. We have no control over that. But that is the risk of fibroids. So anybody that has fibroids will need periodic scans or ultrasounds on the baby to make sure the size of the baby stays normal. Because if the baby's not getting good blood supply from the placenta, then that is revealed as a small baby, okay? If the baby is big or of normal size, we know that the placenta is functioning just fine and the fibroid is not diverting blood that's significant to it and away from the placenta. But in terms of the alcohol consumption, this is not a reason that the patient should not get pregnant. It's just a reason to avoid alcohol consumption in those weeks leading up to conception. The case pearl for this case is aldehyde dehydrogenase deficiency is very common in the Asian population. In these patients, aldehyde contained as a metabolite of alcohol is harder to break down, causing a higher risk of alcohol-related birth defects. All right, medical intern, what's our next case? This one says, Dr. Pliny, my husband and I have been trying to get pregnant now for nine months. I'm 34 years old and have never had any kids. My husband had a child prior to our relationship who is now 16 years old. My husband was previously an alcoholic but has been alcohol-free for five years. Does his history of alcoholism affect his ability to have kids? Alcohol consumption in general does decrease fertility. It decreases sperm quality and it can also decrease sperm count. So I would encourage your husband to get a semen analysis. And you can talk to your OBGYN about this and say, hey, my husband probably needs a semen analysis. We've been trying to get pregnant for nine months and we haven't been able to get pregnant. He has a history of alcoholism. And they will see if the reason you can't get pregnant is the quote male factor, meaning the man and not the woman. But you haven't been trying for a year. So you're not over 35. And so this is not abnormal for you to take even up to a year to conceive. So this is not considered infertility at this point at all. But if you want to be proactive, I would go ahead and talk to my OBGYN and say, hey, this is what's going on. I just want to make sure that this is okay. The good thing is he did conceive a child before at 16 years old, who is now 16 years old. The question is, did he have alcoholism at the time he conceived that child? Did he develop alcoholism after the conception up until five years ago? So I wonder if alcoholism was in play with the previous child. 
I say that obviously the count can still be decreased, which affects you now, even if even if the count was normal, then it doesn't mean it was normal now, even if he was an alcoholic then and not an alcoholic now. Um, So I would encourage him to get a semen analysis. But but if that's not the case, um, if his if his uh, semen analysis is normal, then we know that alcoholism had no role. And the likelihood of alcoholism being five years remote, still having a role, is still low. It's very low. It's not something to ignore. I would still get the semen analysis, but know that it's low. And the reason that it's of lower impact than it would be if you were a previous alcoholic is you are born with all the eggs you're going to have in your life. And those eggs are sort of arrested in a certain stage of development, Meiosis one, right? A certain stage of development um, before fertilization happens and then uh, then cell growth and duplication of chromosomes and all that good jazz continues to happen, okay, after the egg is fertilized. So if you're an alcoholic, if you, as the person that has the eggs, has alcoholism, then you've tarnished the eggs that are in your body arrested in that cell phase, right? And you have all the eggs you have. So that's why people that have cancer and chemotherapy, that's why even if they are remote from cancer, we still have to look at them. We have to look to see if that baby has anomalies because we know that those drugs impacted that egg quality at some point. And so we want to make sure everything is normal. That's also why a lot of people, before they start those type of cancer treatments, will get what's called egg retrieval and freezing so that they have some unaffected eggs that they can use and have fertilized after they are done with treatment. It doesn't mean they can't get pregnant naturally on their own. It means that they want to have eggs that are unaffected. Okay. Now cancer also, cancer treatment can also decrease the egg egg number as well. And cause it can put you in premature failure and failure, which is a whole nother reason to get egg freezing. But the other reason, even if you still had good, good, a good number of follicles, would be to have eggs that are unaffected by chemotherapy. For men, they're constantly churning and burning sperm. So if alcohol affected sperm before, it's been five years. He got new sperm, okay? They're constantly making sperm. They have sex, they ejaculate. They're making new sperm. They're making sperm, okay? Men are making sperm, whereas we're born with all of the eggs we're having and they're just going to be stored. And that's why when a woman... It's 35, egg quality and count decrease. And we can't make any more. I wish to God we could make more eggs, right? We can't make any more. Men constantly making sperm, okay? Unless that man has a low testosterone level or a low sperm count in general, they're going to make sperm, okay? So usually this alcohol is not going to be something that has lingered and is st- has impacted the old sperm. Uh-uh. We're talking about if it's if it's if the alcohol may cause issues with the production of sperm, but if there's no issue with production, are you generating brand new sperm? So his past alcohol history likely does not have an issue unless it's caused there to be an issue with sperm production. Okay, um, and and kudos to your husband for being alcohol free for five years. That is a big accomplishment that you should celebrate every single month and let him know that this is a big deal. 
But I would still uh, encourage you to talk to your OBGYN about whether you're going to wait another three months if you're not pregnant to get him tested and you get a fertility workup or if you're going to go ahead and do it now. All right, medical intern, do we have any more email questions? Yes. This one says, I had too many drinks one night at a party. I ended up making out with this guy, which led to us being intimate. Fast forward, I am now three months pregnant. Does my being drunk at the time of conception cause any harm to my unborn baby? Usually not. And I say that because there's a lot of babies that are conceived under the influence, right? And that's whether you're single and at a party and had a one night stand, whether you're in a relationship with a long-term partner or whether you're married, people have fun over alcohol. They become uninhibited and they tend to have sexual intercourse if they're with someone that they are enjoying time with or someone they love. So it's not uncommon for people to have conceived and had a good time with alcohol. If that's the only time that you drank was during the conception, then we know that that usually has no bearing, right? Because if it did have a significant bearing, you wouldn't have gotten pregnant. So that is not in that time, that three to five week window when there's embryogenesis going on, you weren't drinking during that time. And if it was something that's going to be harmful or toxic during that three to five week period, that's all a non phenomenon. Either you would have had a miscarriage or you continued and, and had a normal baby. Between that five to eight weeks is the crucial time of, hey, were you drinking? Like, did you find out you were pregnant after this? Or were you drinking? You had sex, you conceived, and then you continued to go out and have parties. It just depends on how much drinking you had from the time of conception until you find out you're pregnant. Okay. Sounds like you're not drinking anymore. If you were drinking during that time, then obviously you do need to have a detailed ultrasound. To look at the baby from head to toe to make sure that nothing went on. If that's the only time you were drinking, like, oh, I drank, I had a good time that one time I drank, I haven't drank since, then it's likely not going to have any bearing on the baby. Because like I say, that's too early for it to have caused any damage. That's even before the all or none period. You're likely good, but ask yourself, hey, did I have a couple of glasses of wine the week after or the week after that? And then talk to your OBGYN about how many drinks you've had and they'll tell you whether or not you need a high risk ultrasound by someone like me who's a maternal fetal medicine specialist. And I would just encourage you from this point on, just don't drink any other alcohol. Okay, you like I say, I wouldn't be too worried of a very low suspicion anything is happening, but it's always better if there's any question to double check, get a detailed scan to look at the baby from head to toe to make sure nothing's happened. And we don't know exactly how much alcohol leads to fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. We don't know. But we do know that that crucial period is at, it's five to eight weeks when we causes major birth defects. And then after that period, you may not have a baby that has birth defects, but it can cause issues with cognition and different development of features, Okay. Downward slanting, uh, um, down slanting eyes, low set ears, things like that. And of course, issues with intellect. So we want to avoid alcohol at all costs. There is a myth going around that says it's safe to drink one alcoholic beverage during the pregnancy a day. That is a lie. We do not know how much alcohol causes um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. We do not know. I want to repeat, we do not know how much alcohol causes it. But we do know that the more you drink alcohol, the more likely you are to have a baby 
that falls on the fetal alcohol spectrum. But don't worry. There's a whole bunch of people that were drunk while they conceived. I don't think you have anything to worry about. If you happen to have one or two drinks, even after you conceived, you likely don't have anything to worry about either. Just stop now and just don't drink any alcohol going forward for the rest of the pregnancy. All right, medical intern, do we have any more emailed questions or cases? And she's shaking her head. No. So thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pro's podcast, you guys. I hope that you learned a bit more about alcohol and how it affects fertility specifically. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to share me with your friends, rate and comment. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or a unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypros at gmail.com to hear your topic or taste discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. You can also feel free to check out the website, which is www.drnicoleplenty.com for free pregnancy information and downloadables. And for goodness sake, catch up on all three seasons of the podcast and make sure to keep up with this season, which is season four. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production.